ride with me in my foul life. And here we are. Six hours, peace of mind, podcast series, part of the foul life family of podcasts. Thank y'all so much for being here. I've been thinking about safety and security a lot. It's weird this time of year during the holidays. You just feel so, it's like you have, I'm always close with my family, but you just have this like overall aura of wanting to protect them because there's so much going on. So many people out and about and like you keeping an extra eye on the kids, you're, you're being a little bit over the top when it comes to the security of your family. And that's exactly what peace of mind is. I always want to make sure that we are doing everything in our power to protect ours, our family, our friends, our properties. And that's what we wanted to come out with this podcast series with our unbelievable partner, Sig Sauer, the best handguns made. We feel a sense of security and peace of mind because we know we're protected by Sig Sauer. So I've been thinking about it a lot today. We have Mr. Jared Woodard, Reno Police Department back. What's up, brother? How's it going, buddy? I was wanting to talk today about, and you have no idea what I'm getting ready to throw at you, <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about red dot versus open sights. Okay. And... You being a professional shooter, you're an instructor for the cadet program. You've instructed a lot of CCW classes and been part of that. You've helped us in private lessons. You're very good, well-trained and very fluent with a handgun, in my opinion. You know a lot about them. With, with the market the way it is right now, and people are having to wait ungodly amount of times mm-hmm. for ammunition, background checks, oh, yeah. guns to come into stock because of raw materials and manufacturers having a tough time keeping up with the demand – I'm relating it to the truck industry a little bit right now. You can't Uh find a Ford Super Duty on a lot. So you have to go into Ford.com and build a truck out and then turn it in. And then, you know, it gets into a big pile. They call you and then they, you know, then they, uh, they three to four months later, they they confirm your order and all that. And they said, all right, it's going to be this long. Well, let's say that we're doing this with a gun. Let's say that we're building out the gun right Mm -hmm. now. And I want something that I'm going to be able to, I want two build outs. I'm going to defend my home Okay. and I'm going to use one as a concealed carry. Okay. I know you can do both with one, but if I had the choice, if I have the ability to get two guns right now built out, Uh that's what I want to go over today of the site prop process is big to me because people think, well, if I could put a red dot on something and squeeze the trigger, it's going to be automatic. Now that can be true, but you have to practice. You have to be proficient with that red dot. I want to kind of go over your ideas and your thoughts of open sights versus red dot. And let's Mm -hmm. build out some guns for those two applications. Okay. And, and, and what you said, Hey, if I put the red dot on it and just, I'm good to go. Well, yes and no. Your fundamentals still come back to play. If you have really horrible fundamentals and you're jerking the gun as you're pressing the trigger or you have a really bad flinch or whatever one of the fundamentals that that you struggle in, it doesn't matter if you're open sights or red dot sights, you're still going to struggle at it. Um, I think for maybe a beginner shooter that it, it is – they're not going to be a, a big shooter. They're just, hey, they just want something for self-defense. That red dot makes it easier. You don't have to line up your front sight, your rear sight. You look at your target, and you transpose that red dot on your target, and you you press the trigger, right? Um, and you keep that red dot on your target. You're probably going to be pretty good at the three to seven yards, which is where they say most self-defense shootings occur in. 
Um, but you're right. I, I I think we are. Like, the red dots are exploding on the market right now. They are so much better than what they used to be. They used to be mainly for competitive shooters. I mean, that's what they were set up for. They weren't super durable, but a competitive shooter, they're not beating their guns. They're not racking them off uh, barricades or or their holster as much. Um, they are so much more well-built than they used to be. They're combat now dots. Um, Sig makes some of them. Trijicon. I mean, everybody, anybody you think of right now is coming out with a gun that will fit a red dot. Um Certain footprints will fit certain ones. So you you say, let's look at some concealed carry stuff. I've, I haven't played with one yet, but I've looked at the, the schematics for the new SIG 365X. And I think, I think they really knocked it out of the park. Like that was going to be my next gun was a 365 that I could put a red dot on. So I was going to end up just buying a different slide for my red, my 365 so I could throw a red dot on it. Um, for my wife at home. Um, but what they did was they kind of took the best of both worlds with the 365 XL and the 365. So what the 365 X has a longer grip, which is the 365 XL's grip. So for you and I, it would fit our grip, our hand a lot better. Like we'll have more purchase area on it. Like we get that full grip, but it has the short barrel of the 365. And is equipped for a red dot plate up on top, um, where the original 365 wasn't. The 365XL is equipped with being able to pull off that plate and put on a red dot, which is what I carry. Um, that's what I carry for my my personal defense, just because I like that full grip, getting 15 rounds in the mag. Um, so I have 15 rounds plus one, and I have a red dot on it. Um, our department right now hasn't approved the the Romeo series of the, the red dot, so I'm using a different red dot on it. Um, totally compatible with that red dot as well. Um, I, I love it. What so, do you think most guys are carrying? To interrupt you real quick, what on your force and your precinct? Are, what is the what are the what is the percentages of red dot versus open traditional sites? Well, the majority of them right now are carrying open sites because we haven't fully approved, we haven't fully vetted all of the red dots that are out there, um, and we won't release it until our range master said, "Hey, we've gone through all this, we've done a bunch of tests." Like we do drop tests. I'm on that that uh, particular training group, the TNE group that we're doing that with. I've done multiple drops on right on the red dot, pull it right back up. And then I shoot a zero again, and we're, we're checking to make sure that's going to hold zero. We've, we pull our sights off. We put them back on. We want to make sure it's going to hold zero, and we're not going to have any issues. We also want to make sure that battery life and things like that are going to withstand at least a year or more. But our, our thought process right now is we're going to change batteries at our first shoot of the year, which is probably early January, February, March. That'll be the first shoot that we do. So every year at that time, we will change the battery within the, the red dot. So right now, for us, there's probably, I think there's maybe 18 of us that are carrying red dots every day on duty. But that's part of the T&E group. The rest of them are, are not. Now, other agencies like 
Sparks or uh, Washoe County, I think they're they're getting more and more and more. So I'd say they're probably 30, 40% of those guys are carrying a red dot. So after you've been shooting this red dot for the duration that you have, which is about how long on 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 duty? A little over a year. Would you go back? Um, I wouldn't have an issue going back, but that's mainly, I think, because I shoot enough. Um, I think it's for a person at night, I think target acquisition, you are way better at what, at the red dot than you are without it. So for what ends up happening, like we talked about it on our CCW class, we're focusing on the front sight, rear sight, front sight, right on our target. So we're doing that, the sight picture, sight alignment, where with a red dot, I get to focus on my target. Like, let's say it's that guy. I get to focus on his hands, his movements and that stuff. And then the the dot just gets transposed on top of my target. So I'm really focused on for, especially for law enforcement, for me, um, I get to focus on what my person that I'm pointing my gun at is doing. Does, does he drop the gun? Does he drop the, the weapon that he has or his hands diving in his pocket or his hands diving towards the gun? If I'm focused on my front sight, my eye is focused on that, and that's super sharp. I'm not really seeing as much of my target as I really want. So for me, I think that's the one of the biggest things. And the other is night portion. That that red dot shows up in night on a target so much better than even the night sights that we have. And and you know that you do deal with high vis and that stuff, and those sights are amazing. But at dark, 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 like pitch black. The red dot to me, I, I it it pops a little bit faster. So you're say, you kind of answered a question there then because I would assume that most home invasions occur probably between the hours of one and three in the morning, maybe. I, I would say hot prowls, absolutely. I mean, those are the night ones. Normally, I, we've we've seen a huge uptake in um, home invasions when people aren't at home because. Most people work now. It used to be, hey, back in the day when our mom and dads, there was always somebody, always somebody at home, right? Um, now, to, to really make a, a household run, it usually requires the two Yeah, incomes. but with COVID now, a COVID, lot of people working and, from home now. And that's changed a whole lot of stuff. We, we get more and more of those calls that, hey, I, I just heard a window break. Um, and we'll get those all hours of the day. Um, but you're right. I, I think the... One to probably twelve thirty to four thirty in the morning is probably when all of our. So that's no. Light. You got the lights off in your house. You hear something. You reach for the, you reach for your 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 sig at the side of your bed. You might not ter- have tra- time to turn on lights. Sometimes I don't know. I often think of like maybe you don't want any lights on. Sometimes people think, well, for security reasons, I'm going to keep a light on because it might make somebody think that. Somebody's home. That there's activity going on. But in my, I started thinking this way of defending my play, my properties of like, well, they're going to be able to get around a lot easier. They can see a lot easier mm-hmm. once they're in there. And if the know, whole house is dark, it would seem like a burglar would have a hard time adjusting to where he needs to get, he or right. she needs to get in and out of the, uh, you know, a wall here, a door here, a hallway here. They'll trip over this. You know what I'm saying? Like they, unless they've been in your house and cased it out. Exactly. And you know your place. You know, hey, that's where the couch is. Because yeah. we, we've walked through our house in the dark all the time. And you're like, oh, I know I, I get really, really short stepped because I know I I'm stub super my close right on that, that, that end table or whatever it is. So you do know that. I, I agree with you. Um, I see pros and cons of both sides of it. Um, 
I want to be able to identify my target though as well. Cause how bad would it be if I came over to your house, sure, which, yeah. you know, and you're like, Oh, I, I didn't know. Um, so I have a flashlight with my gun all the time, even, even a handheld flashlight. So if I heard something in my household in the middle of the night, I'd grab both my gun and my flashlight because I want to be able to light that possible threat or target up so I can identify it. So it's not my daughter that decided to get up and get a glass of water or whatever it was, or my wife even. Um, Can you do this? Now, the the flashlight's a a great idea because you can turn it off when you need to, too. Mm -hmm. But verbally is a big part of this, too. When you, if you, do you try to identify the threat by being verbal or does that give up your location? Because do you want to say, hey, daughter's name, son's name, is that you? Are you okay to get a response back? Or does that give up their location, you know, as well too? Like I'm trying to think of like the whole scenario of you have your house set up uh-huh. and somebody's breaking in. This is a part of the sites too, you know, of, of, yeah. of, of defending your home. What is the right thing to do? Is there training for this? Do you wake up and try to verbalize everybody in the house? Are you okay? Or is that giving up their locations? Do you try to tell the burglar that, hey, you were in here? Like, what are you supposed to do if there's a break-in? Well, I I think that's a case-by-case situation. Um, For me, I would probably make some sort of announcement to a point. Hey, is that you? And then I'm going to move. Why? Because, yeah, I did give up my position. Yeah. By using my the, the vocal. But now I've moved to an area where if it was a bad guy, he's like, well, I'm, I'm zoned in on that. Well, I'm going to move my location. So when I hear something and I didn't get the, the call back from my daughter, and you know your daughter's voice, you know your brother's voice, you know, you know all of those voices. So if somebody's like, yeah, it's me, that's not my wife, that's not my daughter, that's not my whatever brother. So you know. Um, and then I would probably light them up. The lights these days, uh, even go into that just real briefly. I think the lights have gotten so good as well that they're bright enough that they are just so blinding. If I shined one of our high-powered lights in your eyes, it even if you were used to light, man, that light is so bright that you're not going to be able to focus. Um, there's, there's a pros and cons. A lot of people are like, okay, hey. Um, then they're just going to shoot towards the light. True. There's different techniques on how you hold your flashlights. If it's not a weapon mounted light to keep the light off of you, I can hold it out from my side and still shoot one handed. Um, we'll call it either the statue of Liberty or, um, I forget what the other name that we call it. Um, but that's, that's a technique that we work on. And I would say most of us, Besides law enforcement, don't shoot at night. When have you ever gone out and shot pistols in the dark? You don't. You, d- you just don't, right? Um, and, and I've seen people struggle with that that come to our range because they've never done it. It's so unfamiliar for them. I've shot my entire life, but I've never shot a gun at, at night. How to pick up your sights. Um, and that's where I think the red dots. Going back to what you're talking about, building two build-outs. There's pros and cons to having another pistol build out for your home defense or going to an AR or going to an MPX type platform that SIG makes. Um, that's what I use um, just because it's I can make it short enough to where it's not a, a big bulky gun. Going around corners with a long 
16-inch or 20-inch barreled gun makes it very difficult that if there was somebody on the other end of that corner, all they got to do is pin that gun away from the barrel away from them. And then I don't care how many times you pull the trigger, it's not pointed in the direction that you want. Um, and if they had a weapon, then it's it's on to you. So I, I think there's, there's, there's multiple different avenues. I think it depends on where you live, who lives with you. Do you have anybody? Do you live in an apartment? Because um, then I'm thinking about bullet travel. I don't want to have something that goes through 15 walls before it stops. So a 223 or 556 might have overpenetrate. You might go to a 300 blackout like they have the MPX or the MCX Virtus. Um, I have one of those in uh, like the pistol version. Great, great setup. Um, you can shoot it in subsonic rounds that are like 220 grain, 225 grain. They're not going to go very far, but they'll go, they'll go fast. They're fast enough that they're going to put your target down easy. So <laughs> is there one weapon that's better than the other? I don't know. I use the MPX only because of recoil management size. My wife can run it. Um, no different than an AR platform, but it's smaller and more maneuverable in the house. I have one that's set up with a, a light on it and a red dot um, and, and an extra mag. And I'm like, hey, if if you don't feel comfortable with your pistol or you, you want your pistol too, put your pistol in a pocket, grab that MPX and go search the house. The light on it's bright enough to search anything and freeze people in their tracks. Um, but that's what I like. Um just because of the maneuverability. But a lot of people, it's the, the AR platform. Um, if you can buy an AR pistol and and put a short uh, brace on it or something like that just to give more stability, you can get down into a five or seven inch pistol. In fact, um, SIG makes one called the Rattler. It's like a five and a half inch pistol. Probably perfect for home defense, um, a, a truck gun, because um, you can break that down into a smaller setup because it's it's a piston-driven gun. Um, so it doesn't need that buffer and all that. So there's a lot of options. Oh, there's so many options. Defense. You're not going to carry that MPX or the MCX as you're concealed. So if you're giving advice to somebody that's just getting their concealed because numbers are way up mm -hmm. for applicants and for guys and girls taking the class, um, we started off by saying, you know, there might be different build outs for both and you have the option to build out both. You've given us several different options, but would you say for the most part, you could do it with one and your carry gun during the day is the one that's going to be by you at night too? Absolutely. I, I mean, you could definitely do that new 365 X and put a 15 round magazine. So you got 16 rounds, 15 in the mag, Close one in the chamber, right? Um, and having an extra magazine with you and a flashlight as your your nightstand gun, even even that to carry with you, like leaving the house. Hey, it gets dark. It, it's December, right? Uh, actually, what today's the tomorrow's the shortest day of the year. So we're working in darkness more than we are daytime tomorrow. So I have a flashlight when I leave the house. You never know when you're going to need a little flashlight. And your phone, I know it has a flashlight on it. It's not, it's not the same. It is not the same. Just a little tiny, like, pin light that they have now. They're 
400 lumens. Um, Surefire, Streamlight, there's a bunch of those companies that make those little, they, they slip in your pocket just like a pocket knife. Um, having that with you, that's your, your go gear every day. It goes into your holster and your flashlight and a pocket knife go into your pocket. That's what I would I would carry on the, probably the regular every day for everybody. Or your, your, your girlfriend, your wife, throwing that in their purse. Having it to where it's clipped to the holster in your in their purse, to where they can grab their their gun and that flashlight out and do what they need to do. So I would I, I think you absolutely could if if you're just getting into things right. We're going back to that. You're just getting into the the CCW. You want to protect yourself. You want to protect your family. You want to protect your friends, and you don't have ungodly amounts of money to just buy. Yeah, I'll take one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those. You're going to start off slow. And I think that the, the SIG 365 or the 365X or the 365XL, those three, depending on your hand size, um, if it's a purse or if it's a, a appendix carry or side carry, um, one of those three, I, I really do. The, and it's not that I'm getting anything from SIG or whatever. That's what I carry. So my wife carries um, I would say it's probably the biggest gun carried off duty for law enforcement right now in our department um, is that 365, one of those forms of it. The SAS has the sights that are buried down into the slide a little bit more. Um, so th- there's they've got a ton of options. And I, what I suggest to people between going 365X versus the regular 365, Go down to your gun range, see if they have them for rent, or find a buddy that has one. Shoot it. Put it in your hand. See how it fits your hand. You may say, oh, I like this one better. Well, I may say, hey, I like that one better. It's That's the that's the best of both worlds that SIG does is that they have different configurations that may fit you better. They have different grips that are out there on the market now. Um one of the biggest signs of flattery to me is that everybody's like, ooh, they found out that these guns are awesome, whether it be the 320 or the 365. Everybody's making aftermarket parts for them because they're that good. Nobody, You don't see them making aftermarket parts for a gun that are like, eh, that's a, that's a piece of crap. They're yeah. not going to make it because why? They're going to be out money putting all that stuff in. Wilson Combat makes stuff that goes onto these guns. Um, there's a bunch of different custom uh, setups that SIG makes for the 365 or the 320. Or that aftermarket companies do. Or that aftermarket. And I, I think that is the other good thing. Like, you can really tune these guns up to exactly what you want. The the 365 XL has a front rail on it. You can put a weapon-mounted uh, light on that gun. Ultimately, at that point in time, there isn't a whole lot more. You you put a red dot and that weapon-mounted light on the front of it. That is a very, very dangerous carry. So back to the site, though. You're, uh, you you just mentioned just starting off. What would you tell somebody? Like, they don't have a comfort zone yet. They've seen a lot of they've seen a lot of handguns. They might have shot their dads when they were younger, and it was probably more than likely open sights. Yep. But right now, if you're learning to shoot a gun and you're getting ready to get into this home defense and you're ready to take that that responsibility of having a weapon, having your CCW, carrying in public, 
defending your home. It's a big responsibility. It is. What do you tell somebody site-wise? I know that you're saying go out and shoot. But if, they, if they're going out and shoot, what do you want that gun set up for the first timer for, you think? I think the red dot actually is the easier form for a first-time shooter because you're not having to focus on the front sight and rear sight type setup. You're not going front sight, rear sight, front sight. You're looking at putting the dot, transposing the dot on what you want to shoot at. So you're only looking at one object instead of having to align your sights. Um, so I, that's where I do think it's easier. For somebody that is shot as much as I have or a competitive shooter, they're going to look at that going, it's the same. Like we are that, like it's that easy to to pick up our sights because we've done it enough. But I'm talking a very the novice, very, first time really concealed or defending their home. They're only having to look at that dot. They're only having to pick that dot up, focus with both eyes open. They're not having to close an eye or whatever. I think it's the easiest form of it. So I think putting a red dot on it for a, a first time shooter is probably going to be easier. Do you, do you, th you know, there's parts, you know, you hear the word graduate from this to that. Mm -hmm. You get more advanced in your career. I think if you start with the red dot, chances of you ever going back to a open sights setup is probably slim to none. Would you agree with that? Probably. I, I think it's, the ease for you, it, you're, that's your comfort zone. Um, and that's what's so nice now about it. When we grew up, there wasn't a red dot. Hell, we barely got scopes on de even deer rifles. It was pretty basic into the scopes that I got to play with when I was younger. Um, you talk to our grandfathers in that. They're like, scopes? We didn't use scopes. It was an open sight setup, right? Um, and I made that a purpose to, to teach my daughter uh, -uh. you're going to have to learn to shoot open sights. Everything else from that becomes easier. So do you advise somebody to do that then? Well, as you're their instructor, like and then timing, people are busy. And that's, and that's where I was just going to go with it. It all depends on how much time and effort you're going to put into it. Ammo. Oh, you know how hard it is to get ammo right now. Practice you, a lot right you now. You can't go out and I'm, and I'm talking, I guess I may be different in certain aspects, I think practicing, like I've talked to people, oh, I shoot 100 rounds every couple months. I'm like, whew, that's not a lot of practice. That's not a lot of drills. Um, for somebody that's shot a ton in their life, if they're shooting 100 rounds a month just to just to keep the, the rust knocked off, I get it. But for somebody that's going to be brand new to this, I would say the first month, they're shooting 150 to 200 rounds a week a week, a session, or up to a 1,000 rounds for that first month. Then I could see, hey, okay, we would start. If that's your regimen that you're going to be able to commit to, but that's where I go to a lot. People say, oh, yeah, I'm good with that, and I call them up. Hey, I'm going out shooting. Do you want to go? Oh, not this time. All right, the next week I call them. Hey, I'm going to go out next weekend. Do you want to go? Ooh, I've got stuff going on. They, they just don't make the time. So that's where I think – I think you're right. I think it would be good to teach them iron sights, just like I had to teach my daughter iron sights. Now, when she picks up something red dot, her fundamentals are great um, to go through that. Where if you just don't have the time, I think the red dot's going to be faster for you. Um, but I, I recommend still getting out and shooting and practicing because that's what's going to help you. When when the the 
shit hits the fan, when it really gets going and you have to protect yourself, you're going to go back to your, your bottom level of training. That's what you're going to fall to, the bottom level of your training. Things aren't going to work right. You're not going to be able to get that gun out of your holster as smooth as you were when it's there's no pressure on you, right? Or you're not going to get it out of your purse as quickly. You're going to get snagged up, You're whatever. You're going to drop it. That's where I go back to practicing draws on your own, doing dry fire. You can sit and do dry fire drills or draws at home and not expend one round of ammunition. 15 minutes every other day for a novice is going to be great. Very important for Very important. squeeze. Yes. You call it the press, the squeeze of the trigger, yep. Yep. lining your index finger up on the trigger in the, at yep. the right at spot. At the right, on that pad. On that pad of, you know, the first nut, you know, the yep. first where you would do a fingerprint at. Yep. Um, but you mentioned something a couple minutes ago that I want to make sure that people understand getting into this battery life on a red dot. If we are going to say mm-hmm. this is an easy acquisition to get into the red dot and be able to get on your target, uh, of course, identification is key here. Mm-hmm. Flashlights, verbal commands, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. But the red dot battery life, this isn't something that's sitting on your bed stand and you like pick it up and have to press a power button to get the battery to come on, okay? I want people to understand this is on at all times. And that's why making sure, well, you could turn it off in the hours. There are are some of them that they call them shake wake awake. So they they get woken up basically and turned on. Are they dependable? They are. They are. They are. I, I have one that I carry on my duty pistol that's that way. If it sits in my... Locker, it goes to sleep. But as soon as I pick it up, that movement in it keeps it wakes it up. And then so the battery comes back on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it goes to sleep and it's maybe using a little bit of battery in sleep yep. mode. Yep. But it's not powered all it's the way on. It's not powered on. So they, and each person's different on how bright, like they have different intensities on their uh, a lot of the red dots. So daytime hours where it's super bright out. You're, it'll be they'll self-adjust. The ones that I the one that I carry right now it self-adjusts. So I go into a dark dark room, it will dim down because I don't need it as bright because it flares on you like it it splashes and, and it's not as sharp. And I want something super sharp, super crisp, so that all I'm seeing is that little tiny dot on the target that I want. Um, and then when it's super bright out, it gets bright bright so that you can actually see it. When you, on the on the subject of home defense, there's a huge influx in population in a lot of areas. There's a lot of areas that aren't ready for an influx of uh-huh. their infrastructure is just getting overwhelmed. Yes, <clears throat> this causes a lot of different issues in. I mean, you can name them what it causes, but a lot of things when you try to fit too many people into one general area is you are going to have a lot of new crime. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of new crime in areas that aren't used to it because of the influx in population. That's just the nature of the beast. Thinking that you're going to get robbed someday or thinking that your home is going to be invaded someday is not a bad thought. It's not being negative. It's not being worrisome. I don't want to put this anxiety in people like, oh my gosh, we better be ready. It may never happen. But the, 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 the goal of us, what we're trying to do here through our relationship with SIG and our friendships with people like you, is that what if it does, right? So I'm trying to understand the preparation that is so non-existent in most people of mm-hmm. this type of incident. Absolutely. You could tell yourself until you're blue in the face, 
I'm ready if it happens. But there's something that tells me that none of us really are. Like you probably are because you're trained in 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 in, in protecting people as a police officer. But a lot of people, until that moment goes down, that's what I'm trying to get across is like, are you ready? Is yep. your red dot ready? Is your trigger pull ready? Is your breathing ready? Is your heart rate ready? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to perform if this goes down? There, With an influx of people that in your area, in our area right now, in a lot of different places of Californians moving out and moving into new areas, there's a lot of, there is a lot of chances of crime rate going way up. And I'm seeing it more and more, even sure. out here, like the graffiti out here has gotten, gotten terrible out here to where I'm like, how is this happening? We're so far away from the city, but it's still, it's moving out. Yep. I'm simply saying, no matter where you live, mm-hmm. you have to be prepared for a situation. Absolutely. You have to prepare your daughter, my daughter, our kids for any type of situation. There's different types of self-defense out there. Absolutely. You could be trained in Krav Maga. Uh-huh. You could be trained in all kinds of martial arts, you know, for hand-to-hand combat. But there's something to be said to be able to defend yourself with a handgun and be ready for that moment because it's not just karate chopping somebody anymore. Right. This is the real deal. So I'm simply saying that these these little practice techniques that you're telling aren't to go in one ear and out the other. This is a big deal. Like, how do you use a flashlight for your advantage? How do you use a red dot for your advantage? How do you keep your breathing and your heart rate under control when the moment goes down? And I just don't know if most of us are prepared for that just by taking a CCW course. I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, I, I love the CCW courses. Um, there are good trainers out there that that do CCW courses. There are some CCW guys out there that they're purely looking at it as a money generator. Um, and I, I think they do a disservice to, one, the, the Second Amendment community because they do sometimes train people not adequately enough that they're they're prepared. It, it's not just like you talk about preparedness. It's not just hey, I, I, so I, I bought my gun, I bought my flashlight, um, and I bought a red dot. I'm good. No, you have to go train. You have to go train that stuff. You need to go out and make sure that you're proficient with shooting it in the dark, shooting in a low light situation. Um, and there's people. How do I do that? Uh, go out and shoot in a low light situation, do it your best. I'm not saying do it every time, but expose yourself to that. Expose yourself. uh, Real quick, Woodward, you, these training facilities that there are, these indoor shooting facilities, can you go in and do this? I don't know that. I wonder if you can go in and say, I want dark. I don't know that they would let you. I just don't for for safety. I don't know that they would, they would turn off all the light in the entire facility to where it was actually a true low light situation. Like I said, for me and you and for my buddies, I got this stuff. I, I This is what I do. So I know, hey, let's, I got steel. We got paper targets. Let's go put them out. We'll go out in the afternoon. And it, once it gets dark, we'll shoot real quick. It's a bigger pain in the butt cleaning everything up. But you need to do it. You need to feel, hey, what's it feel like to, to reholster without looking without seeing what my holster looks like. Because I may have to reholster and go to something different or move or grab something. You got, you got to practice these things. That's what we stress on all our new recruits. Hey, like, don't look at your holster because you still need to be looking at your threat. If, if you are going to reholster to move or do something different, you, you need to be comfortable at all that. Your, your mag changes. 
how to just get rid of that one mag or do a tactical reload. Hey, you just got in a gunfight and you shot seven, eight, nine rounds out of your 12 round clip or magazine. It's like imperative to like you getting that next mag in there in case there is a second threat or third threat or he gets back up or she gets back up. So doing a tactical reload, practicing these things. Some of that stuff, like I said, can be done in a no-shoot environment. You can do that in your house. You can turn off the lights in your house and do dry practice in the house as well. Find a dark, dark room and just do that stuff. Tactical reload real quick. I mm -hmm. want to stop you before you move on too far. You're shooting and you know that you come to the end of your magazine. You press the release button. The, you don't even try to catch the, the magazine. It falls to the ground. You're reaching for your second one and putting it in at nope. the same time. Okay, nope. so what is a tactical, a, a tactical reload? reload is, so I've got 12 rounds in my magazine. Okay. I fire nine. So I still have two in the mag and one in the chamber, right? Yep. I will grab my fresh mag first, come up, drop that the mag from my gun into my hand, reinsert the fresh one as well. So I retain that magazine that has the two rounds in it. I may need it. So you, what do you do with that one? You take the time to put it back in put your Put it back holster. in your pocket, and everything else is single-handed. So, so you I'm, know that you're coming to an end, because this makes more sense to me now, because mm -hmm. you don't want to wait until the very end of the magazine. Mm -hmm. Nope, because that's that's called the combat reload. That's a combat that's reload. A, that's, we have to reload. We have to get ammunition back in this gun to make it work. Other than that, it's a hammer. It's just a blunt object. Yeah. And that's if I've got a magazine that has rounds in it, why not get those back into the gun as quickly as possible? So you find that lull in that gunfight or that that attack. You find that time that you have that you can go, okay, whew, took a deep breath. All right, I'm good. I'm scanning real quick. Grab my fresh mag, drop my old mag into my hand. At and this time, there's no way you can fire the gun. No, I still could. You still can because you have one in the chamber. Because I have one in the chamber. And as I'm, I reinsert that fresh mag, I'm back out on target at a low press ready, single-handed, and I'm sticking that other mag that has three, two, three, four rounds left in it in my pocket. So I still retain it in case I need it. I may need that three or four rounds. I really do. Now, well, I want to continue this conversation because I want <laughs> to even rewind it a step further of what people can do to defend their... I want to do two more episodes based on the start of this conversation. One will be what can we do to defend our homes from the very get-go? Security systems we've touched on before. Mm -hmm. Yep. Windows and window coverings. What are What is the safest home um, for, at night? Do we want to close all of our blinds? Do we want to have everything where there's no visual inside the house to where they can't see? I want to go over that. I want to go over signage in your yard, even though mm -hmm. it doesn't look real aesthetically pleasing. Do you put up signs once you have an alarm system that you are protected by a certain alarm? Uh, they say that they say that the police average response is 13 minutes. Is some of the reports coming out right now yep. in the news? Do we have 13 minutes if something goes down? No, we don't. So we we have to defend our home. So let's start when we come back with part two of this conversation. I want to go over ways that we can. Obviously, we have our Sig by our bed, and we, we're going to be well trained and practice with our with our handguns. Yep. But I want to talk about some things that you see as a police officer that we can do around our homes to secure them better mm -hmm. and make it tougher for any incident to go down. Absolutely. Making it less appealing for an incident to go down. Yeah. 
Then on the other, uh, uh, the other conversation, I want to talk about the actual process of that training that you're talking about with defending your home. And I want to, I want to kind of transition into now you're on the streets. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you have a gun in your truck? with your CCW and you get pulled over for going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. Is it your responsibility to let notify the police, the police mm-hmm. officer that you do have a weapon in your truck? Okay. Um, I want to go over where, where is the best place to carry? Where should we first practice? I know there's different holster setups, mm-hmm. chest holsters, pelvic holsters, side holsters. You can have different ways of carrying it in jackets now and in different pockets. I want to go over some of the different things that you would teach people. I'm like, well, the easiest way is to pull it from here, but you might be more comfortable doing it this way. Then I want to talk about um, if you sit down at a lunch and it's not comfortable, where you got to adjust that to where you don't pull it out and put it on the table. I don't want, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there is that argument. We've went over that several times of open versus concealed, but <clears throat> I want to go over like the most comfortable place to where you're not having to give it up that you do have a weapon on you. Um, and then I want to talk about the places that you absolutely cannot carry, mm-hmm. where we think we should be able to. Where can you carry? Can you carry onto a school ground? Can you carry onto a university campus? Can you carry into a federal building? Can you carry into an airport? Can you carry into uh, you know different yep. different a sports stadium? Like what are the the laws when you go through a metal detector and they go wait what's this? Like you don't like where can you get in trouble for carrying even though you have your CCW? So I want to go. I want to rewind back to the home in part two okay. of how can we make our homes less desirable to try something. Mm -hmm. And then I want to go back in part three of transitioning from that home to now we're defending our stuff, our ourselves out in public. And it might even be defending a stranger someday, Mm -hmm. you know, and what me and Crosby and I had to talk on another six hour episode of what is legal. You might know the laws a little bit better than I do. Like, who can I shoot and who can I shoot for what they're doing? If I catch somebody spray painting my building and I get to work early in the morning, I can't just pull a gun on him and shoot him if he's, you know, and then if their back's turned, they're walking away. There's all sorts of questions and responsibility that some of it's taught in a CCW course, Mm -hmm. but this is a lifelong responsibility. You have to be prepared at all times. So that's Jared Woodward, Reno Police Department, Sig Sauer, peace of mind. Thank you, Sig Sauer, for believing in what we have going on with all of our brands. We truly depend on Sig Sauer to give us that peace of mind. I hope that you guys will give Sig Sauer the opportunity to do the same for you, your friends, and your family. I'm Chad Belding for Jared Woodard. This has been another episode of the Sig Sauer Peace of Mind Podcast, part of the Foul Life family of podcasts. Tom, Jake, hit that button. Let's go out with a little bit of uh, Brent Cobb, 30-06. Y'all have a great day.